this morning. You know, nobody loves you like the Lord loves you this morning. Did you know that? And I want you to claim that promise that he loves you so very much. Yeah. Hey. 
This is a powerful gift that God has given to you this morning. I want to remind you the scripture is talking, Proverbs 22, 6 says, To train up a child in the way that he or she should go, and when, when they are old, they will not depart from it. Man, she is joyful. I love this. This is wonderful. Train up a child in the way that she should go, he or she should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. And that's what God's called you as parents to do now is just to train this child in the ways of the Lord. And so that requires a lot of work. It requires a lot of patience. It requires a lot of time. It requires a community of believers. And that's why you're here today with the community of believers. Matthew 19, 14, Jesus said, let the, chi- let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. And so today I just want to encourage you as parents because this is really, as much as we're dedicating, uh, as much as we're dedicating your baby this morning, as much as we're dedicating Adeline to the Lord, we're also dedicating you as parents to the Lord. We're dedicating Mike and Abigail to the Lord because you are going to have a, a big job ahead of you. And so as a church family, I want you to join me as we pray together and we just dedicate little Adeline before the Lord and we give her to the Lord this morning. And our prayer is that one day she will open her heart to Jesus at a very young age and she will become a Christ follower at a very young age and we'll see the rest of her life be given to the Lord. Amen? So let's join me in prayer, folks, and I'm just going to pray over this little precious child that God has given to us this morning. God, we come before you, Lord, and I just thank you for this beautiful child that you've created, Lord. God, uh, we stand in awe of you as we stop in, in the middle of our service today. We, we bring this young baby that you have given to us, Lord, given to this wonderful family, Lord, to Mike and Abigail. And God, as you, as you have placed them now as parents over Adeline Ray, uh, God, I just ask that you'll put your hand over her, Lord, that you'll continue to work and do mighty things, Lord. We thank you for all that you've given to this child, her health, her great parents, uh, everything about her honors and glorifies you, Lord. This little baby, she just radiates the glory of God. And so, God, I pray that uh, you'll just protect her, Lord, put your hand over her life, and may she at a very young age open her heart to Jesus, Lord. I pray for these parents, Lord, for Mike and Abigail. Lord, I pray that you'll give them the strength that they need this day, Lord. Each and every day is going to be a, a challenge and it's going to be work. But it's, it's very uh, exciting work and very rewarding work because with God, all things are possible. And so, God, I pray that you'll put your hand of blessing upon these wonderful parents who are here to honor the Lord God Almighty. And that you'll put your hand on these, this wonderful baby, Lord, for Adeline, Lord, that she will uh, just honor you with her life, God. And we dedicate her now to you as we, as we see practice in the, in the Bible, Lord, that they would come and they would bring their children to the Lord and they would dedicate them before you. So, God, we do that this morning. And now, Lord, we dedicate little Adeline in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's thank God for this wonderful family. God bless you, folks. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. Last weekend was powerful. And what you're experiencing now and last weekend is life. You're experiencing something powerful, and that's the move of God. You know, Scripture says that Jesus, the Son of Man, came to seek and save that which was lost, which was us. He rescued us by the cross. He defeated death and rose again three days later, and that is the life. That is the power. So what you're experiencing now 
and what you experienced last weekend and will continue to experience is that excitement, that energy, that positivity. It's not just something inside. It's Christ. It's Jesus Christ. And so, guys, we have something to celebrate. So let's celebrate the church at large. Listen, last weekend, many people gave their lives to Christ all over the world, not just on an Easter. It's like all the time God is moving. So can we thank God for what he's doing? Can we thank God? Can we celebrate this morning? We have lots to be thankful for. Families dedicating their children to the Lord. Listen, at the end of the 11 o'clock hour, 11 o'clock service, someone's getting baptized. Listen, this is phenomenal. So, church, God is moving. Be encouraged this morning. Be encouraged. Last weekend was awesome. We're so glad you guys were able to come and be a part of it and celebrate Jesus with us. That's what we do every weekend. That's what we do all the time here. Um, and, and, like, we're never going to get tired of it, right? So it's going to be good. It's going to be real good stuff. Okay, I want to let you guys know a few things that are coming up on, on our calendar here at Crossroads. One is that on April 30th, we have our membership uh, Next Steps class. And so that's going to be right after the second service down in the canopy room. So, if you've been here for a while, if you've been here for a few short weeks and you're looking to, you, like you're, you say, hey, I want to be a part of this church. I want this to be my family, my family church. Um, and, and membership for us is more about ownership. You know, you don't get a, a yacht club card, you know what I mean? Like you don't get anything, but you get to be a part of what's happening here. And so you're saying, I believe in this church. I believe in what we stand for, which is Jesus. And I want to know more about what it means to be a part of this church. That's April 30th. There's child care. There's also lunch that we provide. Pastor Ken leads that class. And uh, it's right after the second service in the canopy room. And listen, you can sign up by going in your bulletin. There's a little handout. You can fill that out and give it to the welcome team at the welcome center or put it in the offering box. And then we will uh, get you signed up for that class. You can also do that online. Uh, but this is for anybody who wants to become a part of this church and say, this is my family. I want to get rooted here. I want to start serving. I want to start figuring out my spiritual gifts and on and on and on. I want to be part of this community. And so that's going to be that uh, April 30th is for our Next Steps membership class. And then on May 7th, we're having a mother-daughter spa day. And so this is for all our moms and our daughters um, to be coming. And this is going to be on May 7th at 1230 over in the gym. And there's going to be all kinds of different things to be a part of. Um, it's just a really sweet time for moms and their daughters uh, to have some brunch, to have some, there's different uh, activities that they can do. We're going to have a speaker and uh, just going to be a sweet time. So uh, I encourage you uh, to, to, to get signed up for that. You can RSVP by going online and around the front page. There's a little RSVP link that you can click on and let them know you're coming so they can plan for food and the different activities that they're going to do. Uh, but you can also grab a connect card in front of you and just write your information down and we'll get you signed up as well if uh, whatever works easiest for you. But guys, listen, we're thankful for what he has uh, given us and all these different activities. Um, I also want to welcome our guests. Uh, you know, if last weekend was your first weekend, I met someone last night. They grabbed me. They knew. They said, hey, Luke, uh, last weekend was my, first, was my first time. Can you show me where these things are? Like, I'm so excited to hear that. Like, that's, that just lights me up. And so if it's your first time, your second time here this morning, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, please stop by the Welcome Center. We have a gift for you, and we would love to connect with you. Um, but guys, God's moving and growing us in crazy, awesome ways, and so we're so thankful. Would you stand with me as we continue on this morning? I want to say thank you for your faithfulness in giving. You can give online. You can give through the mail or the offering boxes uh, here at the church. Um, but thank you for being faithful unto the Lord and giving. God, we love you. Uh, this morning is a privilege to be here, uh, to see this young family dedicate their child to you, to, to hear about the stories from last weekend of of men and women and children that were changed because they realized that you died on the cross for them and that you rose three days later. God, that is, that is something to be excited about. 
God, we thank you for the sunshine. We thank you for this beautiful morning that we can gather in this place. It's all for your honor and your praise. All we want to do is glorify you with our lives that we've been given. Thank you, Jesus, for everything. In your name, amen.
Please have a seat. We started off our series actually last week with but God. We started with those two most important words in the Bible, but God. Uh, I've heard a number of people come back to me this week and said, hey, I've been thinking about those two words all week in my life, but God, but God, but God stepped in, but God did something. You see, life happens and we need those but God moments because life does happen, doesn't it? Life happens a lot, and there's a lot of things about life that we can't control but God. And so we need the, those moments for but God to step in. And when God steps in and he moves, that's whenever we see his powerful hand. So last week we looked at really the greatest but God moment. It was whenever Jesus was dead, but God raised him from the dead, right? So that is the greatest moment because it changed everything for all of our eternity. But I want you to consider this with me this morning, that even as you're looking at the whole story of Easter, you're thinking of Jesus when he died on the cross and then he rises from the grave, and there's great victory there. The, the, the whole issue of Jesus going to the cross was fought from the very day one of the plan. It was fought from the very beginning of creation. God takes Adam and Eve and he puts Adam and Eve in the garden and he places them in there. And in this garden, they live in this wonderful place. It's heaven on earth, if you will. It's uh, the perfect temperature. It is, uh, it, it, there's no humidity. It's like yesterday, isn't it? You know, that was perfect. Uh, but we know that's not reality. That's just a little tease. I, always, I told people that yesterday, you know, if, uh, if the weather were like that all year round, this would be the biggest city in the country, you know. It's already the best city. It would be the biggest city, all right. Anyhow, but as you think about this, they put Adam and Eve in the garden. They had everything that they wanted, and God says, you can't eat of this one tree. So from that time on, God makes a promise that the Messiah would come. And Genesis 3 makes the promise. And we see this war that is being waged against the Messiah. We see this war that is being waged against, uh, uh, against the, the plan of God. And so even to this day, we have a war that is taking place between good and evil, between the God's plan and between the enemy, Satan's plan. And so I want to go all the way back this morning to, to a king. We talked a lot about Jesus is king, and he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But let's go back to that very first king, King David. 
You hear about King David. You hear about his throne and, uh, and, and the great King David. And as you read throughout the Old Testament, you keep reading about David. You keep reading about the joy of this great king. And of his throne, there would be no end. And Jesus would actually come of the lineage of King David. But before King David, there was one king. His name was Saul. And there was an issue between Saul and David. And so we're going to see this issue here this morning. I'm going to jump into the scripture here at 1 Samuel chapter 23, beginning in verse 13. And as we jump into the scripture there, it says, So David and his men, about 600, arose and departed from Keliah and went wherever they could go. Now, Keliah, that was a, 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 a town, village, if you will, in the mountains near, Philist, uh, near Philistia, near the Philistines. And so it was against the enemy. So this is a military time here. Then it was told Saul that David had escaped from Kaliah, so he exalted the expedition. Uh, so, so he halted the expedition. So as, as, king da- as, as David, David was crowned to be the next king. He was anointed. He wasn't crowned yet. He was anointed to be the next king. And now as he is anointed to be the next king, we see that Saul is jealous. And so David is going out, and he's got his expedition. He's got his men that he's going out. He's doing great military things. But look what happens with Saul, who is the sitting king at this moment. David stayed in the strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of of Zip. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hands. So there's our but God statement. But God did not deliver him into the hands of Saul. So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Zip, in a forest. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his own house. Now, I want you to catch this this morning because there's a a powerful statement there when he says, but God did not deliver him into his hands. I want you to catch a few things in your notes. If you're following along on the back of the bulletin, you can fill in the blanks there. Adversity strikes, but God steps in. That's the first thought. Would you say that with me? Adversity strikes, but God steps in. Anybody ever have, uh, have an enemy? Oh, just the pastor. <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't know. My enemy might be looking at me today, right? Uh, you know, no, the pastor don't have any enemies, right? No, listen, we all have enemies. You all have adversity. Everybody has somebody that's going to come into your life and is going to make life a little bit hard for you. And, and as you think about this, what was going on with David? David was known as a man after God's own heart. Over in Acts chapter 13, 22, we find this, and, and at, they're retelling the story. He's building up to Christ, and he talks about David. He says that God removed Saul and replaced him with David. So that's the end of the story of David and Saul. Uh, for as far as the kingship is concerned, uh, he says, a man whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. 
I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. That's what God says. He will do everything I want him to do. So he found the humble servant that would be willing to go and, and do what God has called him to do. Saul was not that servant. And God had to remove Saul and he was putting David in. And David would have all the fulfillment of the prophecies to come. David was suffering. And I want us to understand something this morning. Because many times we think that because we are suffering that there's something wrong with me. Suffering is not a sign of godliness or godlessness. Did you catch that? Sometimes we will beat ourselves up. We're going through something bad. You're going through some suffering. And you say, well, what did I do wrong? Why, God? Why are you doing this to me? And that's a legit question. But when you are suffering, it does not mean that you have done something wrong. And it does not mean that you're more godly. I've heard other people say, well, you know, I'm taking this because I love the Lord so much. I'm like, really? Prove it. Listen, God has said this about suffering. Jesus himself said this in Matthew 5, 45. And he's referring to a verse from the Old Testament. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. God makes the sun rise on both the evil and the good. You know, the sun came up yesterday for everybody in Pittsburgh. It didn't just shine on this top of this mountain. It's shown everywhere. As a matter of fact, I, I, uh, I caught myself. I was performing a wedding. Not performing. I was officiating. Yeah. Magic. You're married, right? <laughs> Woo. I wish it were that easy, folks. If it was that easy, I'd be in business, wouldn't I? Huh? Uh, let me tell you here. I was officiating a wedding, and it was outside. And I said to the bride and the groom, I said, God is smiling down on you today. Look at the sun shining. And then I went home and preached this at 6 o'clock. And I said, oh, I was in error there, wasn't I? God wasn't shining because the sun was shining. He, God's blessing in many other ways. But the sun comes up on the evil. The sun comes up on, on, the, on the good. And the, he sends rain on the just, on the righteous, and on the unjust, and on the unrighteous. So suffering is not a measure of godliness, and it's not a measure of godlessness. Saul was jealous of David's calling and his capabilities. Uh, uh, David had an incredible calling on his life. God had anointed him to be king. And now he would go out and he, uh, he would do great things. And, and we're going to look at just a few of the great things that he would end up doing. But as we look at the scriptures there, we see that David, this ends up being a period, many scholars believe it was a period of about 10 years of suffering. Now, I've heard the story many times. I've read this many times. But when I put it all together, oh, this was a young guy because he got to be king at 30. So roughly in his 20s, his 20s were a nightmare. You want to talk about a time of suffering? That's when it's supposed to be the best time of your life. That's when your knees still work. That's when everything's still working, right? Listen, it was a tremendous time of suffering for this guy. He goes through a 7 to 10 some people say maybe 12. They're not sure, but it's, it's a long period. Let's say just roughly 10 years of suffering. Some of you right now are in a 10-year suffering zone. And I wish I could change that. I, I wish I could say, hey, listen, the suffering when. I don't know when you're suffering when. I know that God will be with you. And you see, that's the game changer. Because what is happening in your life is not a reflection of how good you are or how bad you are. It is a reflection that God is with you either way. And when we begin to put this all into perspective, 
you know, David put it into perspective, and he ends up writing so many of the Psalms. As you read through the book of Psalms, you'll find that he, he wrote so many of them when he was in this deserted place. He was out in the wilderness, in the desert, and in the mountain, all alone in the foliage of the mountain. Look here, uh, Psalm 63. David wrote these words. He says, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. He's out in this, in this waiting zone. He's out in this suffering. He is fearing for his life because King Saul is coming to get him. And as he's running for his life, as he's fearing for his life, he is now, he says, I'm in a dry and a thirsty land where there is no water. Lord, I'm longing for you. I need you to be the water in my soul. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Boy, that's a powerful verse, isn't it? You know what happens when I'm in the middle of a wilderness experience? My lips don't often praise them. My lips often want to, like, tell a few things to the person who's caused my suffering. Have you ever had that experience? Okay, just the pastor again. I'm the only guy in here who's fallen. Listen, man, when I have those bad things happen, I want to, like... You know, it's your fault that I'm, you know, and there I go. I want to assign the blame. For some reason, we believe that if we assign the blame, that I'll feel better. Let me tell you a little secret. When you assign the blame, when you say, all right, that's that person's fault, man, it just, it just eats at you inside a little bit deeper. Uh, we've got to come and lift up our voice because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you. And so this is the antidote here for for the wilderness problem. And the antidote during suffering is to lift your, li- your lips up because of his loving kindness. He was in the middle of suffering. And what did he do? He took his eyes off of his suffering and he put them on his great God. He says, because of your loving kindness, my lips will praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. That was a story. As you go through and you read it, you read the story. He's out in a dry and thirsty land. He, he's not even able to go back and worship in the temple back in Jerusalem because that's where they're all at. That's where they're, they're taken over. Like he can't even get with the other people to worship. And it's, it's like a terrible situation. And he's still coming back and he's saying, Lord, because of your loving kindness, because you're still with me, because I know that your plan is still going, Because adversity comes, but God, I will bless your name. What did David do to invite this? Like Saul is coming after him. Let me tell you what David did to invite this. Nothing. There was no reason that Saul should have been coming after him. As a matter of fact, uh, David only helped him. Look what David did here in 1 Samuel 18, verses 5 through 9. So David went out wherever Saul sent him. Um, David was the little young man who came up with the, with the five little stones. You know, one little stone went into the sling and the sling went round and round. Remember that song? Okay, I guess I'm really predating myself. I must be historic. Anyhow, I'll sing it for you another day. My wife's like, don't. Every time I do that, my wife's like, don't do that ever again. We have discussions at 1 o'clock every Sunday. Anyhow. So you, you, he took the little stone, and the stone went up, and he, he 
waved the stone, and the stone went up and it hit the, hit the giant. There was a nine-foot-tall giant from Philistia. And this giant had come and said, I defy the armies of Israel. I defy you. I defy your God. And he's like, he's in their face. And so they, all, the, all the military were afraid of this guy. All the military were afraid of the Philistines. All the military were afraid of the giant. And so here comes the unlikely candidate. He was just a shepherd boy, but God sees a king. He's just a, just a kid out there taking care of sheep. And then he comes up with his stones, and he takes his slingshot, and boom, he goes up. He shoots it. He's, by the way, David's was short in stature. He was not a tall guy. He was, he was a little dude. And he takes his stone, and he goes up, and he hits it to the tall dude, and he brings him down. And the power of God was displayed that day. And then after that, look what happens. David went wherever Saul sent him. Saul said, we're going to need you. You've killed the giant. We're going to go for this. He behaved. Uh, so, so David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul sent him over the, uh, over the men of war. And he was accepted in the sight of all the people, also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now it had happened as they were coming home when David was was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women had come out of all their cities of Israel singing and dancing, meeting King Saul with tambourines, with joy, with musical instruments. And so the women sang as they danced, Saul has slain his thousands and David has slain his ten thousands. And the troubles begin. When all the women are rallying, let me tell you, And they're not rallying for you. Let me tell you what was going on. Saul was facing some pretty big issue here. They like that kid more than me. And jealousy stepped in. Then Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David 10,000. And to me, they have ascribed only thousands. Now, what more can he have but the kingdom? He's got the praise of the people. The women are dancing. They're singing. He's got the praise of the people. So what more can he have now but the kingdom? He has victory. He's got talent. He's got the women on his side. I'm a goner. And so he begins this journey with them. And so Saul eyed David from that day forward. Uh, Saul was jealous out of mistreatment. And David was uh, from that moment on. Uh, was now eyed by by Saul. He kept Saul was going to keep an eye on David, and he's going after him. I love that he's eyed. You know, you know what eyed means. It's like he's eyed. He's out to get him. Uh, David prayed this in Psalm fifty nine verse one. He says, "Rescue me from my enemies, O God. Protect me from those who have come to destroy me." Rescue me from these criminals. Save me from these murders. They have set an ambush for me. Fierce enemies are out there waiting, Lord, though I have not sinned or offended them. I have done nothing wrong, yet they prepare to attack me. Wake up, O Lord. Hear my prayer. See what is happening and help me. And so here's David. He cries out. He says, listen, I did nothing wrong, Lord. I haven't a, what have I done to the king? But God, they're attacking me. They're coming after you. I'm hiding in this country land. And so adversity strikes, but God steps in. 
God has to step in. And so you say, well, man, I'm waiting for God to step in. I want you to know that God is actually stepping in because he's with you during this trial. Um, he gave, he gave uh, the, the assurance to David that, listen, David would be the next king, and he would go, go along the journey, and he would continue to go on. You know, after all of this, uh, David, David was gotten into a trap by Saul. Saul tried to trap him, and he said, I know how I'll get to David. I'll give him my daughter. He can marry my daughter, and that way I'll be able to surely know where he's at all the time, and I'll be able to take him down. So he, he uh, tries to get him into this trap. And as you go and you read the scripture, um, the daughter helps David get out of the trap. And uh, so that didn't work. So, so all these things were, were lost. And so God keeps uh, helping David to escape. He's suffering, but God helps David to keep escaping. Out of suffering may come the most uh, magnificent, encouraging psalms in the Bible. And as you go through, read those psalms, you read about the emotions that you face in your suffering. So I'm so thankful for the psalms because, man, they were written out of, a, out of the despair of when David was going through this 10-year trial. And, folks, I want you to know that David was not saying, Lord, would you please give me more despair that I may write another psalm for you? Lord, would you please let my suffering continue so that I could help millions for eternity? You know what he was saying? He's saying, rescue me. Rescue me, for I did nothing wrong to these crazy people. And I think there's similar situations like that in your life, isn't there? Listen, the, the music of the sanctuary is often forged in the trials of the saints. That's exactly what happens in our life, man. The music that we sing to the Lord is often forged in the trials of his people. Spurgeon said this. He said, Charles Spurgeon, the famous preacher many years ago, said this. said, God gets his best soldiers out of the highlands of affliction. Man, you want to find the best soldiers who will stand up for God? They've gone through some of the worst pain. One man said it like this. God can't use a man until he breaks a man. It's in our suffering that we become dependent. It's in our suffering that we become understanding who God is. And that's where you have a but God moment. It's in the midst of the suffering that you truly understand the but God moment. Uh, When you become a Christian, God took care of your biggest problem on the cross. We deserve to be separated from God forever and ever in a real place called hell, the Bible says. But God raised Jesus from the dead. And when Jesus died on the cross and paid for your sin, now forgiveness is available to all. And when Jesus raised him, but God, everything changed. And your greatest problem has been taken care of. But there are other problems that we will continue to walk through. And as we walk through those problems, I want you to know that the Lord is with you. And he never promised that, hey, if you just follow God, you'll have no problems. But he did promise, if you are his follower, that he will give you peace. He promised if you're his follower that he will have, you'll have his presence. Number two in your notes, my enemies can't stop God. My enemies can't stop God. Would you say that with me? My enemies can't stop God. 1 Samuel 23, 14, David stayed in the strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Zip. Saul sought him every day. Every day while he's in hiding, every day Saul sought him, but God did not deliver him into his hand. Those are the most powerful words in the Bible, but God. 
But God did not deliver him into the hand of Saul. I like what James Montgomery Boyce says. He says, if you understand those two words, but God, they will save your soul. If you recall them daily and live by them, they will transform your life completely. Your life will be completely transformed when you understand, listen, I am suffering, but God. Listen, but God introduces us to the truth that there's a divine, sovereign God of the universe and that he is working and his hand is rolling and he is still moving and he has not forgotten you. So Romans says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Whatever you're going through right now, remember that. If God is for us, who can be against us? You know, sometimes our enemies succeed. Sometimes they don't. But we are on the winning victory side. I want you to know, we've already won the war. We might lose a few battles in between, but we've already won the war. David was a refugee, if you will, for 10 years, hiding from King Saul. Suffering can be very beneficial. Now, understand this. In the midst of the suffering... That God's plans are not stopped. Your, your enemies cannot stop the plan of God. So keep that and remember that. If you're doing something good in your life, there's an enemy. Remember that. If you're doing something good, you're doing something for God, you're making a positive change in your life, guess what? There's an enemy. It could be within you. I mean, sometimes I'm my biggest enemy. Sometimes it's a, somebody around me. It could be a thought pattern. It could be habits. It could be, could be uh, somebody at work. I mean, all those things can become enemies. But listen to, and again, Spurgeon, the great preacher, he said this. He said, the hardest-hearted, most unloving Christians in all the world are those who have never had much trouble and those who are the most sympathizing, loving, and Christ-like are those that have suffered the most affliction. The worst thing that can happen to any of us is to have our path made too soon. Suffering molds us, suffering shapes us, and God has his hand. Now, we've got to understand, if God is sovereign and the events that have taken place in your life, and God is love, so we understand he's love, he's just, he's holy, he's sovereign. There is nothing that God did not know was happening in your life. And God, you say, how much longer must I suffer this? I'll tell you how long you will suffer. You will suffer till God says it doesn't accomplish a purpose anymore. And you say, but God, I don't want that. Nobody wants suffering. But listen, as, as David was in this moment of suffering, as he was going through this, um, he was going through the, the greatest trials of his life, and he would become the greatest king ever in the nation of Israel. He's the most revered king. The, the lineage of Jesus was at stake here. Like, like, man, Jesus came through the, it was promised through the lineage of David. So we see this all the way. We see David's line all the way through scripture, all the way down. And there was war after war after war to stop it. There was all kind of things that tried to break the chain. But God says, my plan will not be stopped by my enemies. And remember that in your life. Your plan cannot be, God's plan cannot be stopped by your enemies. Verse 15, so David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. He was still suffering, but God did not deliver him. 
David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness in Zip, uh, in, in the forest. And you know what that tells us when it says it's a forest? He was hiding in the foliage. So it's the forest. He's hiding so that he cannot be found by Saul and his men. He was looking for cover amongst the foliage. And God allowed David to use his mind right here. God allowed David to use his brain. Where do you go? Well, you got, you know, he didn't just sit out in front of Saul's, you know, he didn't say, okay, God's sovereign, so I'm going to sit out in front of Saul's uh, palace. I'm going to sit here and hope he doesn't kill me. No, he hid. God's given us our brains. God has a sovereign. God is sovereign, but he has also given us human responsibility. And we live and we operate according to the faith that he has given us. So he believed that God is sovereign. He believed that he had a responsibility. Number three in your notes, God sends help through devoted family of God. God sends help in the family of God. Would you say that with me? God sends help in the family of God. Listen, it's through the family of God that you're going to find some of the strength. You've got to find a a Jonathan. Verse 16, then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods, and he strengthened him in, uh, strengthened his hand in God. Now remember, they weren't texting each other. He's back, he's back at the homeland. He's out hiding. So he had to go, he had to work to get to his friend. There was no GPS coordinates to figure this thing out. Uh, and he said to him, he says, do not fear. Why did he say, do not fear? Because, my friends, David was afraid. David was fearful. For the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. Do not fear. For the hand of, my, uh, my, the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his own house. Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father shall not find you. Do not fear. You know what, folks? Every one of us need a Jonathan to come into our life. Every man needs another Christian man to come in and say, listen, it's going to be okay. You need somebody to help you when you're discouraged. And listen, let me tell you, if you are discouraged, you know what that's a sign of? It's a sign that you're human. Because when we face hard times, many times we get discouraged. Elijah the prophet called fire down from heaven. He saw God do great and mighty things. God was known as the, as the God of Israel that day. And the next day, you know what he does? He gets threatened by Jezebel. And he runs and he hides. And I'll give you my translation. He ran from a girl. <laughs> he called down the God of heaven. And he ran from a girl. Like he didn't, here's what happened. He got discouraged and he went into the cave. He went into this cave and God said, you've got to rest. Man, Paul says he was discouraged. If you look in 2 Corinthians 1.8, Paul says that we were burdened beyond measure and above strength. We were despaired even of life. Man, there's a lot of times that we get discouraged. But you know what we need, folks? We need the but God moments. And we need the family of God that he supplies. I can't do this alone. i got to have people who come around me and say, hey, you're going to be all right. 
you're going to be right. Hey, listen, I, I know that stinks, but remember the promises of God. Life happens, Pastor Ken, but God. I need that in my life. I have surrounded myself with that. People speaking to me like that all the time. You know, the pastor's not always up. He sometimes gets down, and I got to have people come to me and say, hey, it's okay, brother. And sometimes the same as in your life. You're not always up. You got to have people come to you, and you got to reach out to them, and you got to open your heart, and you got to allow people in. But they, these two had a bond that they created. And here's why because, but God makes the difference. Say that with me. But God makes the difference. David was being chased and attacked by Saul, but God kept him safe. Do you see that? Wow, 10 years of suffering. God kept him safe. God is going to keep you safe in your suffering. David was feeling weak and discouraged, but God sent Jonathan. Pray and ask the Lord as he sends that Jonathan in your life. Men, you need another man. Women, you need another woman. Somebody spiritually come alongside of you and coach you and encourage you. David was hated by the king, but God one day would make him the king. So today, I want to invite you to have a but God moment. I love this verse, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. But God. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And I want to invite you to trust him and have a but God moment this morning. And maybe you're going through some suffering. Ask God, Lord, give me the strength. Let me see your hand and give me that God moment today. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to invite you to Jesus. I want to invite you to trust him. Jesus died on the cross and he paid for your sin once for all forever. He says that the wages of sin is death, separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Today, would you open your heart and trust Jesus? If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Just real quietly where we're sitting in your seat this morning, would you, would you just quietly whisper something to God like this? Say, dear Jesus, I come before you, and I admit that I'm a sinner, and that I need you to be my Savior. Jesus, you died on a cross. You paid for my sin. And you rose again. God, I invite you into my life right now. I trust you. And for others this morning, maybe as followers of Jesus, maybe you've been going through a suffering. And you need a but God moment. I want you to call on the Lord and say, Lord, let me know that you're here. God, give me that Jonathan in my life. God, help me to see those but God moments that you are with me and that your plan has not been thwarted, but you're still working. Father God, I pray that you'll move in a mighty way. Lord, thank you for those that have just opened their hearts to trust you today. And I ask that you will bring us all closer to you this week as we see those but God moments. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song and worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords.
great week. We'll see you all next Sunday.